Hello, everyone, and welcome to the VG Podcast, Episode 5. Thank you for tuning in. I got a great show for you this week, so be sure to stick around, and we will be right back. Welcome back, everyone. I recently completed the game Ghost Runner, and so now I'm going to do a little review of that. Basically, this is a game that came out in maybe a few weeks ago now, in mid-October. It came out on PS4, Xbox, and PC, and in it depicts a dystopian future akin to Blade Runner, where most of humanity is being suppressed by a totalitarian society, and technology controls a lot of things, and people are being infused with technology creating sort of cyborg-type people. And you play as the Ghost Runner, who is a the last of a race of um, cyborgs that were created with specific abilities and specific powers to do jobs that were assigned by the higher-up controllers of the society itself. And I'm not going to go too much into spoiler territory there, but you encounter the people who are in control of this society and you find out the kind of people they are. And as you can imagine, since it's a dystopian future, they're not exactly great people and they don't exactly think very much of humanity. First thing I want to talk about with the game, though, is the graphics. This is an independent game, technically. It was three different studios that were involved with making it. And one of the studios is 3D Realms, which is a known studio, but the 3D Realms of back in the Doom, original Doom and Duke Nukem days, is different than the 3D Realms of today. And so all in games, 3D Realms, and I'd have to, I will have to look up the other developer. I'll probably do that on my tablet right now as we're talking. But it was three sort of smaller independent development teams that were working on this game. And you can tell that there is just a lot of effort put in on the graphics department. This game looks absolutely beautiful. It looks on par with a $60 AAA release. And this one, and this game is only $30. That's, a, that's another point in its favor is that this game looks beautiful and looks like a AAA game. But it's, but it, like it just it looks it looks on par with a AAA game, and yet it's half the price of a AAA game. Okay, here is what it is. It's the game is developed by One More Level and Slipgate Ironworks, and it was published by All In Games and Five Hundred Five Games. And so. In or and I could see why they needed multiple developers for this game because in order to pull off a game like this, you need a lot of work, a lot of work to make it look good, and they absolutely pulled it off. The in, towards the beginning of the game, you don't get as many of these beautiful scenes because you're in a lot of these industrial sort of interior ventilation shafts, corridors. More typical stuff that you would see in like a Wolfenstein game than you would see in a, in a sci-fi future game like Ghost Runner. That's at least for the first several levels. But then there's a point towards the midway section of the game where 
you go out into the city. It's called Dharma City. And you are running on these neon signs that are like Blade Runner and running on skylines and jumping on sky hooks and riding, riding sky rails all the way around. It just absolutely looks amazing. And so while the first early levels don't have a, a deep color or visual palette, the later levels look absolutely beautiful and just made me nostalgic of that first viewing of Blade Runner or just movies and games that are like that in that dystopian society where skyscrapers go as high as the clouds and, you know, billboards are bright and they light up the dark and grim sky. It just looks absolutely phenomenal. So graphics are a near-perfect 10 out of 10 for me. Those The graphics are just absolutely amazing. And the only thing stopping it from being a 10 out of 10 is those early levels that look kind of bland and typical of a lot of other games um next up i want to talk about is audio and i have a similar feeling with the audio department that i do with the graphics the audio is really really good really really good in fact the sound effects of you know the blasts and and mid-air dodges and slow motion and running on the walls and and that all sounds great. And the and the music, oh, the music is just great. It's sort of like a synth wave type uh, soundtrack. It's it, the way I describe it is it's music that goes along perfectly with the setting that it's in. It's sort of electronic and has a really good beat to it. My only disappointment is that there are certain levels that don't really have much sound to it at all like there's certain levels where a chunk of it is silent and maybe you'll get like a little audio track here and there but sometimes there'll be like sections where i'm like okay is the game glitched right now and it's not playing the audio the way it's supposed to because this is like a long section where i'm not hearing anything but i think some of that has to do with the industrial places in the beginning of the game and the mu and Similar to the graphics, the audio doesn't really pick up until you're out in the Dharma City. And when you're out in the Dharma City, the graphics and the audio just blast on full on all cylinders. And they just overwhelm your senses with a bright sense of neon Blade Runner joy, if that makes any sense. It's just enjoyable to look at. It's enjoyable to listen to when the audio tracks really pick up the pace and really, really pump and keep going. And... Oh, man. So audio is similar to graphics in the fact that there's certain times where the audio is not really even there, but other times where, oh, geez, the audio just just nails it, just absolutely nails the tone and the style of the universe. So those two are absolutely fantastic. Um, gameplay. Gameplay is very interesting. This is... Uh, some people aren't going to like how the gameplay is done. Not necessarily because of the abilities and powers you have, but because of how hard the game can be. Like, the game challenges you from the beginning, and it doesn't let up. It starts challenging, and it ends challenging. It does it, like It has a checkpoint system that's fair, but there's a caveat to the checkpoint system that people don't talk about, 
and the developers haven't really talked about it as much either, but this is something that I think people fully need to know. Mid-level checkpoints in this game don't save. And here's, here's what that means. The game has 15 or so levels. I think there might be a little, a few more, but there's around 15 levels. And only when you complete one of those levels does the game save your progress. You completed the level, and if you exit the game, you can come back and start the next level. But if you're in one of those levels, and you're halfway through the level, and you reach a mid-level checkpoint, and you save and exit the game, when you come back to the game, you'll find that you have to start the level all over again. And that's part of the game's challenge, but... Geez, they need to tell people that. they That's something that should have been in the beginning of the game, saying, hey, your progress only saves during your active play session. And the only way you can continue to save your progress is complete the level. And that led me to not wanting to do more levels in one sitting than I did. It, wanted, it made me do it in like in increments because each level was so challenging and hard and when I completed one, I would want to exit the game there because I wouldn't want to get partway through a level and then decide, hey, I want to play something else and exit out and lose my progress. And so that that's a real bummer in the gameplay department because I don't have a problem with the game being challenging, but that not telling people that and having the mid-level checkpoint system not save is just, it's unnecessary. The And essentially the mid-level checkpoint system is only for the the level you're playing currently. So if you are hit a checkpoint and you die shortly after, you hit a button, bang, you're back at the checkpoint. That's what the checkpoint system is for, but the checkpoints don't save. And so that's lame. But uh, gameplay-wise, you're, you're wall running, you're doing slow-mo mid-air dodges of bullets, you're doing swipes of the blade, you're doing all kinds of different abilities and dodging all kinds of different enemy projectiles with all kinds of different powers and capabilities from, like I said, wall running, swiping with the sword, and you also get certain abilities like being able to turn, you know, enemies against other enemies or, you know, doing this thing called, um, like, um, it called surge where you're able to like move a, like a, a little bit faster, but, you know, it, that could potentially, like, make you a little too fast, it, it, that kind of thing. Um, I, I might have mixed up abilities there, but there's, you have four different abilities, and one, like, involves being able to die, being able to throw, you know, projectiles back at enemies. One allows you to dodge mid-air and sort of shift around a little bit, and, um, all the abilities, once you get them all going and combine them all, can lead to a incredible gameplay experience. And there, as far as the gameplay design is, there's nothing wrong with that. And the only thing that would interfere with the gameplay or hold back from the gameplay is the glitches and potential errors that would come about during my play session. There was one time where I had to use this gust of wind to blow me up to a platform that I had to climb onto. But there was one point 
where it didn't work. And so I had no way to progress. And at first I thought, is this part of the level or am I doing something wrong? And then when I reloaded the save, it was fine. But when I reload the save, I go a little further in the level and I would get a hard crash on the game, have to reload. And then when I'd reload, it would be off again. And so there'd be times where my progress was straight up messed with because the game started glitching out and not just crashing on me, but also having progression bugs like I was talking to you about the gust of wind that I'm supposed to ride. And so, like, gameplay-wise, there's nothing holding it back, but as far as technical performance goes, there is some things holding it back, but that could potentially be improved with updates and patches and the like. Also, another thing that would, I guess, count in the gameplay performance department would be the load times. The load times are long, and for some people, they won't like having to sit through a long load time, but the thing that people need to also understand is that's because they have to, the game has to sort of load most of the level at any one given time. Because when you die, you have to, and you hit a button, it immediately, within a split second, zaps you right back to where you were the previous checkpoint. There is no load time reloading that checkpoint. So when you're partway through the level and you die, you have to be able to hit the button and immediately go all the way back to the start of the challenge to do it again. And so that's why the load times can sometimes be long. And for certain levels, the load times can be a little longer. I would say load times are around maybe 30 seconds. 30 seconds or longer, depending on the level. And that can be a really long time. So gameplay, you know, gameplay-wise, it's great. Technical performance, there's still some issues that need to be worked out in patches. Um, story, um, I'm going to talk about story next. And I'm not going to go into too much detail. I'm just going to go with basic premise, is that you are a ghost runner and you're being ordered around by this character named the Architect who has this plan to save humanity Um and along the way, you also encounter a humanity resistance group called the Climbers, which is a people that are trying to overthrow the society by climbing the Dharma Tower, which is this t- large tower in the middle of the city where the higher ups, um, where the higher ups like to sit. And so you are doing orders from this guy who wants to save humanity, and you also along the way, help out these climbers who also want to overthrow the society as it is. And along the way, you also find out more about the creators, the two creators of the technology and the society as a whole. And you find out more and more as to who your character is and where they came from, how they became a ghost runner, etc., And so story-wise, it's very good, but a lot of it is played out via audio logs that play over the gameplay, which I understand why they did that, because, you know, when you're running around, you don't want things slowed down by cutscenes. But at the same time, you'll sometimes miss out on chunks of dialogue because you're in the middle of an action section, and it kind of sucks to just, like, slow down and stop running around because you want to sit here and listen to this audio. And so there's some pros and cons to the way they executed it, but what I will say is that the final ending cutscene that you get when you finish the game summarizes 
essentially summarizes everything that had happened up until that point and everything that was going on so you know in your head, okay, this is what I was doing the entire time and this is who I was helping and all that stuff. So you do get that at the end, but along the way you can sometimes lose track of what's going on in the story because characters will be talking all the time and you'll be running around on walls and you won't be able to concentrate on what the characters are saying. And so the story is good, but A, it's a little typical of what you would expect from games like this, you know, dystopian society, you know, resistance group trying to overthrow the powers that be, etc. We've seen that before, but the way it's told is good and it doesn't dwell too long because it's more about the fast-paced gameplay. Um, my final thoughts on Ghost Runner is that it is an absolutely exhilarating game experience that is only held back by some technical and performance issues that otherwise could be fixed with updates and patches. Since this game is at price $30 and it took me maybe around 15 hours or so to beat the game. You know, I took my time and I looked for stuff here and there. Um, it's well worth the money. And even though there isn't any real bonus content once you beat the game, the levels have a replayability to them that would make it enjoyable. And I feel that in the future they may release some kind of an update that would, you know, allow you to do like maybe challenge mode or what I would really like to do is what they did in Celeste where they do B versions where they will have the standard level that you play through and that's the A side and then you also have the B side which is a shorter version of that level but it's much harder and so it's more of a challenge. That would be something that would be really cool. But as it stands, you have the single player campaign and that's it. So it is worth the $30, but do know that that's all you're getting at $30. Um, overall, my verdict would be, if I were to score this out of 10, I would give it an 8.5. A very, very good game that it was just a rush to play and made me feel good about completing its challenges and that kind of thing. So if you're into the whole sci-fi future and that kind of thing, and you're into exhilarating parkour first-person gameplay, similar to Mirror's Edge or something like that, I would highly recommend this game. It's on all platforms, so there's no reason why you shouldn't get a chance to play it. So, 8.5 out of 10 for me. Definitely recommend Ghost Runner. I hope that everybody who has those consoles goes to check it out. Alrighty, we'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. Before I go into the next segment, I wanted to make a correction of my review of Ghost Runner. The surge ability in that game involves you slashing your sword, and that creates a horizontal beam that takes out other enemies, and that's what the ability is. I misspoke previously about that ability in the review and so I wanted to correct that here and that was also the ability that I couldn't quite remember couldn't quite put my finger on so before I go into this I wanted to make that little correction and that's my apologies I'll try to you know be careful in the future now my review of Mandalorian season 2 episode 1 um this will won't be very long because you know if you're a Star Wars fan go watch the new episode, because of course you're going to watch the new episode. 
But I do want to summarize my thoughts on the episode itself. So where we ended up uh, off last time in last season was a lot of really cool, badass moments that and that was essentially a series of awesome scenes that ended the show and it was such a great episode that was the season finale and so obviously there's going to be some anticipation as to what happens in the new episodes well basically this episode is a bit of a step down but not exactly in a bad way it was it's been a little bit since we saw the previous season and so it's good to slow things down a little bit and set everything back up again so that people know who's where, who's what, you know, what's going on with everything, and people can essentially catch up. And that's what this episode sort of felt like to me. It was, a, it was an episode that was meant to give us a little adventure that was exhilarating and set up some things for the future, but it overall feeling a bit more of like a detour or a side quest than a actual um, main story quest that the character would be going on. It, it felt like a bit of a detour. But with that, there's still a lot of Easter eggs and really cool stuff in the episode itself. And so the in the episode, the Mandalorian is trying to find Baby Yoda's people. He's trying to find other people uh, that are like Baby Yoda so he can go be with his own kind. And so he gets a little hint that there is a Mandalorian who he doesn't know which Mandalorian it is operating on Tatooine. And so he goes to investigate. And on Tatooine, this little town is being protected by this guy, the Marshal, who's wearing Mandalorian armor, but he's definitely not a Mandalorian. And if you're up on your Star Wars knowledge, then you'll know that the armor he's wearing is Boba Fett's. And the last time in the live-action continuity we saw Boba Fett was in Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi, where he ends up getting knocked in the, sand, the Sarlacc pit and gets eaten by that creature, and you know we don't know what happens to him. Now we get a little hint as to what happens to him because we see his armor and they explain that the marshal got that armor from um from um um Jawas and he so the Jawas having the armor means that Boba Fett's body wasn't fully decomposed like they teased in Return of the Jedi. And so Boba Fett may still be alive. He may still be around. Who knows? Question mark. All we see is his armor, and it's missing some pieces. It's imperfect. And so the Mandalorian sees this guy not wearing, you know, his... It, it was, he sees this guy wearing armor he's not supposed to be wearing. He's like, hey, give me that. And it's like, no, I'm not going to give you that. And so before they fight, the marshal makes him a deal saying, I'll give you this armor if you help me take out this sand creature that has been terrorizing the people of this town. If you do that, I'll feel more safe in being able to protect the people around here. And so since he mentions protecting people, the Mandalorian is, of course, going to jump in and be right on board. And so the rest of the episode is an adventure of 
the Marshall, the Mandalorian, um, sand people teaming up to try to take out this creature that's been terrorizing everybody, and a lot of hijinks, you know, ensue, action stuff, you know. And so I won't go into further the episode because I gave essentially the premise of it, but the episode ends without going into spoilers with teasing some cool things for the future and in the process gives us a lot of really cool Easter eggs as Star Wars fans to look at. And so I don't have a lot of deeper thoughts other than that, but my summarization is that it's a good startup episode to get things going with season two, but it feels more like a detour side quest, um, a detour side quest to the actual main story, which we haven't gotten any like idea of as to where the main story is going, other than we got Mandalorians trying to find Baby Yoda's people, and that and that's. That's essentially all we get in that episode. And the rest is a bit of a detour. A fun detour, but a detour nonetheless. So I hope in the future we get more story-oriented episodes and not as many of these detours. But, you know, Mandalorian Season 1 also had a few moments where they would detour onto some other planet. So I don't think that tradition's going to stop, but I think that some of the stuff that he does should feel like it's more towards an overarching thing instead of it being essentially its own isolated situation. Um, if you haven't watched The Mandalorian yet and you're not a fan of Star Wars, I would recommend trying the first episode if you're willing to pay $7 to give something a try, which I understand if you're not willing to um, with Disney+. Plus, But... The Mandalorian is a different vibe than regular Star Wars, and so if you if you like westerns more than some sci-fi, then this might be something that's up your alley. But I totally understand if you're not wanting to pay the $7 to try it out, especially now that they got rid of free trials on Disney+, Plus, which I think is a bunch of crap, because you should be able to try out any streaming service, but they did that when Hamilton was about to come out, and they didn't want people going, oh, free trial, watch Hamilton, cancel, and that's it. And so they're making people commit to a month, which is lame. But if you have an ability to watch the first episode, just see of the whole show, see if you like it, I would definitely recommend it. And if you're not a fan, then you're not a fan, and you don't have to continue to subscribe to Disney+. Plus. But if you're already a Star Wars fan, you're going you're gonna to dig this. This, this is going to be good. You're going to like it. It's going to be all fine. There's tons of Easter eggs, tons of fun moments, tons of really great great Western type stuff. Like, like one character sounds like he's wearing spurs. On, like, so when it walks in the saloon and they're holding their belts and they're all holding their belts and they have their guns on their waistband and stuff like that. It feels so much like a Western that it's entertaining to see it done in a Star Wars-esque way, even still with this second season. So definitely check it out. Um, definitely recommend either way, even if it's a detour. Um, definitely check it out if you're already committed. Um, and give a shot to Mandalorian if you haven't already or if you're not a huge Star Wars fan. That would be my, my recommendation. But before I ramble any further, 
We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. Um, Ed, I don't know if people have seen on the headlines or gone to their um, local streaming service. Um, Chappelle's show has been added to Netflix and HBO Max, which is really, really cool. But as I've found out recently, one of the episodes is actually missing. Apparently, the sixth episode from season two is not available on HBO Max or Netflix. And it's been confirmed that it was because they didn't have any other choice in the matter. When they signed the deal, that episode was off the table altogether. Um, now... This segment's going to be relatively brief because I'm not going into exactly why the episode was pulled. The episode was pulled because there's a few moments in it that has Ron Jeremy in it, and he's a he's an old porn star who's facing some really really bad and awful charges, and he's pretty much of a monster of a human being, and so they're trying to disassociate from him even if it's just a one-minute segment in a show, that it's not really going to matter either way. People, the show doesn't, like, the show de-emphasizes him so much that it's not going to make people want to look him up. And the reason I'm saying that is because there's some episode, this episode has some stuff that's really good. It's the first episode in which Dave Chappelle does his impression of Little John, and that's, become famous and iconic, you know, he still gets that, and Little John still gets people saying that to him, too, to this day, because of that bit. There's also a bit, um, the, what if the internet was a real place, and you're just trying to find, you know, uh, a simple sports score, and there's all kinds of nasty stuff in your way, and you get sidetracked by looking up all kinds of other stuff. Um, there's a musical performance by Anthony Hamilton, at the end of the episode, and it's a really good episode, and even though I understand they're not trying to associate with him, I wish there was a way they could have it on there with some kind of warning or something like that. Like, this depict not everybody in the show is somebody that we necessarily agree with. It was a product of its time or something like that. But I guess there was no option um, to do that, and so there's one less episode, and so people will think that the moment in the life of the Little John's uh, sketch started with the next episode, which is episode seven, which it has another uh, light a moment in the life of Little John, and people will think that that's where the beginning of that sketch is, but that's not. It was the episode that's not available on the service. Um. And I'm pretty sure the services glance over it um, and just say, oh, it's the season's 12 episodes, there you go. It's like, well, there was 13 episodes on season two, and so if there's anybody who's knowledgeable, they're going to notice that. Um, so I'm not saying I'm condoning like awful behavior. I, all I'm saying is it's maybe a minute that this person is in the episode, and... There's so many other good sketches in the episode in the other 21 minutes that should be watched. And so I feel like there should be some kind of maybe warning in the beginning, which is what they've been doing with a lot of different things. 
just so people can see those iconic sketches or or if they don't want to do that maybe have like segments or something like that like have maybe like a segment of the sketch and have that part be out i mean it i i'm not a fan of editing stuff down or anything like that but the sketches in that episode are so iconic that i feel like it's worth people being able to see at least on their own and I feel like when they watch them they won't feel like looking up you know everybody that shows up in the sketch because the sketch has a lot of characters going in and out because there's a lot of pop-ups or people that are trying to get his attention they're just like hey 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 and just constantly interrupting when he's just trying to look stuff up. So there's other characters, and it's only a brief few moments, and I feel like there's another way to address it from Comedy Central instead of flat-out just removing it and sort of removing history. Um, That's just me personally. Um, There is still a lot of other great shows on Chappelle's show, so I'm not saying don't watch it. I mean, go on Netflix and go on HBO and definitely watch Chappelle's show if you haven't watched it. But I wish there was some way we could get that sixth episode of the second season on there without having it be gone and censored outright. Because there's a lot of other good stuff in that episode that is, I I believe, funny and poignant and showing of Dave Chappelle's talent. And it doesn't bring up things that are outside of the 2004 era when the sketch was shot. So it, when the 2020 lens, obviously it's tough to go back and view certain things, but I feel like if you find a way to warn people that, hey, we don't support anything that this monster does, and we never supported this monster, and at the time we didn't know that these things were happening, or something, yeah, something like that. You know, it. There's just there's ways to address that a character who shows up uh, for a few seconds, not a few seconds, maybe a minute, on the episode, is a horrible person because there's a lot of other people in the episode that are good people, and there's a lot of humor that's really worth seeing in the episode itself. And so that wraps up my thoughts on that. And I I just hope there's a way that they can address this in the future without censoring it outright and censoring Dave Chappelle's great work. Anyway, we'll be right back. That's it for this week, everyone. If you want to support the show directly, don't forget to go to anchor.fm slash thevgman slash support or patreon.com slash thevgman. I'll have a new show for you next week, but until then, thank you so much for tuning in, and I'll see you then.